Lorenzo Margiotta ed è finita la Salernitana torna in Serie A aprite le porte è tornato il paradiso aprite le porte la Salernitana è tornata in paradiso in the 2021 season, Salernitana were promoted to Serie A after they beat Pescar at 3-0, putting them in that automatic second spot just behind Empoli. Oh, and how sweet it was. It had been 23 years since their last promotion. Um, Castori led them back to Serie A, but was only given eight games before receiving the sack. Well, we've seen coaches get sacked before him this season, I think. You know, rock bottom of Serie A, maybe they want to spice things up, maybe they think that the 11 that they've got fielded out deserve better than that, and yeah. I don't know whether that's the case or not. This was one of the more interesting promotions, because their owner, Lotito, is also the owner of Lazio, and Article 16 in the very complicated book of FIFA rules states that someone can't have ownership of two teams in the top flight. Yeah, in fact, Lotito had to um, basically shift the power of the company um, to General Ugo Marchetti, the 74-year-old ex-veteran. So I read about this guy and I tried to understand basically what it is this guy did. From what I understand, he's a crazy good soldier that managed to climb up the ranks <laughs> all the way to general director i think of yeah. the finance police or or something like that what and he was oh. appointed the deputy mayor of palermo as well okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> in well, 2012 well a powerful man to say the least and now he looks after salernitana yeah now he's responsible for castori getting fucked in the ass prematurely <laughs> did you see how upset he was he was man that was a really sad photo of it him was sitting a sad photo. On I, didn't, a... I didn't like seeing that yeah Hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight, we're your hosts Matt and Jake. I'm sorry I'm laughing, Jake just did the funniest thing on the last intro and had like seven takes since then, it's too much. Yeah, but now you just tease them, they want to know what it is now. <laughs> we'll show you on a snippet on Instagram, we'll do it, yeah. I promise. Okay. Um, this is episode 9, but it's match day 8. <laughs> we had our special in the last episode yeah. and we jumbled up the episode numbers so they no longer align with the match day. But that's fine, you know. That's uh, not too bad. I mean, you're smarter than that, guys. You don't need to look at the number to realize which episode is which. Exactly. You get the notification because your push notifications are on. And you'll be aware exactly if you follow us on Twitter at Serie A Spotlight. Follow us on Instagram as well. We're everywhere, guys. We're even on YouTube now, so... Yeah. Two episodes. Two episodes. I mean, uh, come on, you know why. <laughs> um... But yeah, follow us everywhere, guys. Ask us questions. Our engagement has a bit has been a bit wank recently, so let's get those questions in and hear us blab on. Yeah. So let's go. The transition. Let's go. So, haha! What a transition. We just spoke about Salernitana, and they opened this match day eight. So they opened the scoring against Spezia and the 2-1 loss thanks to a goal by Simi. But it wasn't all Simi, although he did superbly. A certain mm. friend of his, OB, gave him a fantastic assist. Yeah, Joel OB, the ex-Inter man, um, got at the end of a cross and had the perfect amount of weight on it. You know, passed it straight to Simi, who did well to beat the keeper and to score. Of course, Simi and his six foot seven long body or yeah. however tall six foot it is. six it's crazy they had um him and Juric up front they're both six mm. six the tallest striking force in Serie A. jesus christ no mm. wonder they got promoted yeah but it was not enough 
No, it was not. Spezia is still looking like a dangerous side. They haven't been an easy draw for anyone recently. Um, Kovalenko playing, playing a big part in the Strelek goal. Yeah, um, it was a good assist. The goal was lovely too. And um, Kovalenko's second goal itself was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? Yes, it was. A fantastic strike into the top corner. Obviously, the ex-Atalanta man, he's on loan. He's on loan. Yeah, he's on loan at the moment from Atalanta. Yep, a very promising talent. I mean, he's doing bits for Spezia over there. Spezia have a good team when you think about it. Yeah, they do. They do. It's not bad. They have a decent... A decent side. It's better than the likes of Salernitana, Venezia. Yeah, even though they're looking promising, but I think Spezia have better individuals, I'd say. Yeah, well, when it comes to individuals, I mean, definitely, I think Spezia take the cake out of these relegation uh, side teams. But this was a good game, and Kovalenko actually did have a great performance, I think, picking up man of the match as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, who else? Um, I think Verde played a big part in the comeback when he came on. Yep, Verde uh, th- came There was on. a momentum shift at that moment in the second half. Yep, I mean, he was subbed on for Inzola. Inzola wasn't too happy with the change, but I think the entire fan base of Spezia, along with the 11 men on the pitch, were happy with the change because mm-hmm. Verde can contribute something very important to the team when Inzola wasn't really getting anywhere close to getting a goal. Yeah, and Zola's quite streaky. We saw that last season as well. Um, right before January, he was scoring every game and then he didn't score a single goal after that, actually. Um, so this game saw Castori lose his job, of course. Calantuono has come in to replace him. The man who got Atalanta promoted in 2012, was it? Yes, it was in 2011-2012, I yeah. believe. Um, he's done a good job as well. Uh, keeping them up up until there was the change in management from then on Um, Mm. but he's had quite a decent history with other bottom tier sides uh, Colantuono Um, I do hope that he manages to turn things around for Salernitana but I mean judging by the team's performances and the individual quality on the team I really don't see that happening and I see them staying in that Crotone slash Parma zone Yeah, yeah Um, I don't see them escaping either um, but you never know I, when like for example Verona when they got their new coach they managed mm. to change their entire season round like they look like a completely different team um, that's true so who knows maybe Colantuono can inspire these guys it'll maybe. be good it'll be more competitive at the bottom it's better that's true that's true uh, I think Belek had a good game for Salernitana he had a couple yeah. of decent saves um, kept them into the game for a, for a short while when they had the lead it was also, <laughs> bless you, it was also interesting to see the change in goalkeeping options for Spezia, where Provadel started the game. Yeah, um, you know, Zoe wasn't doing too great. I yep. think Provadel deserved, deserved the chance, and he's proving to be quite a good goalkeeper, quite reliable. Yep, he did a decent job. The team did a decent job. Kovalenko, Majores, Strelek, Salcedo, Antist, all having mm-hmm. a fantastic game. Spezia now find themselves in 16th place on 7 points and Salernitana back down to 20th I'm afraid with 4 points in 8 games with that 6 losses, 1 draw and 1 win. So moving on to one of the big games of the week, we have Lazio 3, Inter 1. Lazio came back from behind to inflict Inter's first Serie A defeat of the season. Your thoughts? So obviously this was the return of Simone Inzaghi. To yeah. Lazio 
and as well as Joaquin Correa. So obviously tensions were high and I think a lot of us believe that Inter would have the upper hand because yeah. simply because they own Inzaghi and the insight he has on the Lazio side, albeit um, Lazio are a very different side yeah. to who they were under him. As well as Dzeko, who has who's probably very used to preparing for games against Lazio. That's true. Um, a couple of weird shouts when it came to the starting eleven for both teams. So I know that Lazio were limited uh, when it came to their resources. I believe Acerbi was injured, but Luis yeah. Alberto not starting the game. And Perisic starting in that secondary striker role for Inter. Yeah, that was a weird one, but goes to show the versatility, right? It does go to show the versatility. I think Perisic is a man you could pretty much... I mean, he fills that left-back, left-wing, attacking midfield now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he is the man who converted from the spot in the 12th minute after Barella was fouled by his side. They tumbled over each other uh, just inside the area. So... Inter went ahead, but yeah. to be honest, Lazio, in my opinion, were the better side from the get-go. They were. Um, fun fact about that Perisic penalty, it's, he is the first Serie A player to score a right-footed penalty goal and a left-footed penalty goal since 2004-2005, basically when this data um, was first collected. Why did he take a penalty with his weaker foot? I have, I have no idea what goes through his mind, but um, he must have some kind of system to it. But do you know what he didn't do? What? He didn't score a left-footed free kick and a right-footed free kick in the same game like yeah. our friend Verdi did. Verdi, who sucks, I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, really, it's really strange. He had his moment of, moment yeah. of fame, but whatever. Um, so there was the momentum shift, I think. Well, not really a momentum shift. I think Lazio were always kind of in control yeah. of the game. Um, but it took them quite long to get back into the game. It was a 64th minute Immobile penalty after Bastoni handled the ball inside the box. Uh, Immobile scoring another penalty. Yeah, his 100th goal at the Olimpico. 1 1. Wow. Yeah. How many of those were penalties? <laughs> Probably half of them, bro. <laughs> I mean, judging by the way the season's going, obviously, Immobile is a great striker. I think Immobile has been contributing more in the build-up to play now. He's really utilizing, utilizing his strength closer to the midfield. Um, now that he has resources to his left and right who can play inside of him, he's finding his options, he's using his physicality, and I like this Immobile, to be honest. Definitely, he's holding up play really well. He's laying it off. He's even beating players now, you know. He's, he's doing very well, yep. I must say. 81st minute, Felipe Anderson converted after a lot of controversy. So basically, just to let you know what happened, uh, DeMarco was down injured. Uh, Lautaro decided to play on, even though his teammate was down yeah. injured. Uh, he was tackled, Lazio counter-attacked. Counter um, they scored through Felipe Anderson and Lautaro and all of his teammates threw a hissy fit because Lazio didn't kick the ball out for fair play when they didn't do it in the first place. Yeah. Um Exactly, Lautaro played on when DeMarco was originally down, why should Lazio stop? It doesn't make any sense. Um, by the way, Lautaro should have totally passed. I don't know why he went yeah. for the shot there, but he, he should have definitely passed. But yes, um, it led to a goal. Um, Anderson's revenge. Um, Inzaghi had previously stated that he didn't want him. and He was excluded from his plans, mm. basically. And Anderson was sold to West Ham. Now he made his return. And scored against Inzaghi. You know, it's a nice little side story over there. Of course. Um, so after all that controversy, then more controversy to follow. In the 91st minute, um, Milinkovic Savic scored a header thanks to a good ball in by Alberto, who came on as a substitute at this point. Um, mm, that's the, the classic, right? I love them. Those yeah. guys are great. Yeah, they're incredible. Those two in the midfield, I think there's... No more of an iconic partnership in Serie A, in Serie A's midfield, yeah. basically. 
Um, so Savage scored the header, the game came to an end, it was a convincing 3-1 win for Lazio. Lazio playing most of the of the top tier teams now uh, losing to Milan, they beat yeah. Roma, they beat Inter. They have quite a decent record against the Seven Sisters. Um, but basically, um, do you want to tell the viewers what happened? Ah yes, so at the end of the game, um, apparently Patrick, Luis, Felipe and Correa were like a trio. They were best friends at Lazio. And of course, Correa moved to winter and um, Patrick could see that Correa was down because of the defeat. <laughs> and he told Luis Felipe, let's go, let's embrace him, let's, let's make him feel better. And Luis Felipe ran up to Correa and jumped on his back to like celebrate with him. And Correa <laughs> took it really badly, got really pissed off. Like it looked like it was going to swing an arm at him. And, you know, like drama ensued, fights broke out. Like the referee ended up sending off Luis Felipe, who was bawling his eyes out. Yeah. He was crying his heart out. I think he was know. embarrassed. I think yeah. I think he didn't mean to piss him off. But yeah. brother, Luis Felipe, read the room. <laughs> Please read the room. Yeah. Don't Look go, around you, bro. <laughs> don't go doing that. And then start crying because he gets sent off. I want to just try <laughs> To help my friend because he was sad. Weird one. <laughs> Don't do that. A deserved red card, in my opinion. Uh, Inter, still in third place on 17 points. Lazio find themselves in fifth on 14 points. A nice little overtake on Fiorentina there. Definitely. The next match took place at San Siro between Milan and Hellas Verona and it ended 3-2 to the hosts. Drama. A lot of drama. A lot of drama. So just to set the scene, guys, Drake and I were watching Serie A on the couch. Lovely Saturday, late afternoon. Uh, this was during the Lazio Inter game. And I had to go to a dinner for my girlfriend's dead grandparent. <laughs> a weird, a weird one. Yeah. Um, but basically, that means I had to miss the second half of Lazio Inter along with the Milan game. But it's fine because I've got my phone and I can stream the game at the restaurant, no? Brother, the restaurant had absolutely no reception. I couldn't even send a text or do anything. So Jake was sending me the play-by-play via text message. Thank you, brother. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, I feel like you would have done the same. <laughs> of course, Milan went down 2-0 quite early on this game. Um, first of all, let's take a look at the list of Milan's missing players going into this match. Manian, Kier, Theo, Messias, Brahim, Florenzi and Bakayoko. Of course, um, Giroud and Zlatan not being 100% either. Um, the first goal for Verona was a weird one. Um, it's like a few players fell outside the box and kind of Tomori couldn't track back. Yeah, with so Sokka Prari just break free and score. It was like a floating ball into the middle. I think Benasser committed to, uh, to an interception that I think was Tomori's territory. Yeah. So there was a bit of a tumble between the two players over there, a bit of a miscommunication. And obviously the ball landed to Caprari, well to Veloso, who played Caprari through. And I mean, he got the lead seven minutes in and Hellas Verona are a team, well, they are the team that score earliest in all of yeah. Serie A. And Pioli spoke about this after the game. He said, I can't believe I had that information and basically... We let it happen. We let it happen anyway. But it was the case and Hellas Verona found themselves one nil up after the seventh minute. Yeah, then in the 24th minute, um, Romagnoli went to clear the ball and Kalinic managed to um, extend his leg in the way and um, yeah. Romagnoli ended up kicking him and dropping him. 
And of course, Verona were awarded a penalty, yeah. which Barak took and scored, even though he had lasers pointed at his eyes, which, by the way, Milan got fined 10k for. 10k? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Very well, I swiftly. Hate, bro, I hate that. I hate yeah. the whole laser shit. That's it's yeah, not exactly fair, is it? It pisses me off. Yeah. Um, but this, I saw a lot, of, a lot of people on Twitter talking about how this was not a penalty. I get that Kalinic played for the penalty 100%. It was an experienced and veteran move. Yeah. Um, but I mean, contact was made even though he it was, searched it his was, leg out sure. into Romagnoli's domain, really. Uh, there's no such thing. And Romagnoli ended up taking him out and obviously Barak converted because Tatarasano is not Mike Manian. Yeah, um, he was a bit slow on it, but you can't really criticize a keeper. No, absolutely not. Not criticizing him, just saying that Manjan has more of a chance yeah. of saving these. So at this point, Hellas Verona are absolutely killing Milan. Milan yeah. can't get started. There's no glimmer of hope. Um, yeah, Giroud was really slow up front yeah. as well. Quite a few um, negatives from the first half, of course. At the end of the first half, Milan picked up the pace a bit. But um, it was only in the second half when Milan came out and they looked like a completely different team. Um, two of the most under-fire players in the squad came on as solutions for mm-hmm. Milan. Um, Krunic and Samu. Granted, Krunic has already won over some of the fans um, from his um, performances at the beginning of the season. But Samu, you know, um, is hated by many. He yeah. um, was excluded from the Champions League squad. You know, he had one foot out of the door. But it was him, man. It was all thanks to Samu Castillejo that Milan managed to come back and win this game. El Piton. El Piton. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, Leao, um, just after the first half started, I believe it was the... No, it was the 59th minute. It was the 59th yeah. minute, yeah. He um, got the ball out wide and decided to, like, you know, play on his own. Uh, he, he has, he has these, these moments, yeah. And out. He's just laughing on exactly. the ball, having a good just time. playing, you know, with a big smile on his face, looks up, crosses the ball, still smiling, and the ball floats into the box and finds Giroud's fat head, <laughs> and he scores. Um, what a header Giroud has. Probably one of the best headers in football, right? Yeah, I, I agree. He's very good in the air. He's, I mean, his even his control in the air. He's not only good at yeah. smacking the ball with his head, but his control of the chest or even taking the ball down by raising his yeah. legs up high. Um, he's great in the air, that's definitely his forte And for his size he's surprisingly good on the feet as well It's just, um, he was a bit secluded in the first half And thus quite invisible uh, In the 76th minute and then Castillejo did a fantastic job to win a penalty um, After a Farawani foul Let's Leo be honest, it was the exact same situation as Kalinic I feel like both penalties were harsh, right? Yep, that's why he did a fantastic yeah, yeah. job <laughs> Definitely <laughs> he did a great job there And Kessie did a good job as well Obviously he's been somewhat under fire himself Both for missing penalties himself And because of the contract negotiations uh, But he did a great job sending the keeper the wrong way In a confident yeah. manner And getting the draw Exactly, typical Kessie penalty He watched Montepot till the very end And sent him the wrong way Then in the 78th minute Just as Zlatan had come on at this point Milan had um, Giroud and Zlatan starting up front um, a cross came in from Castillo from the right-hand side um, and Gunter went to clear it with his left foot and ended up shanking it completely and scored an own goal. He was in absolute... His body was not in a position whereby yeah. you'd look at that goal, but he's in danger of scoring an own goal over there. He just really... I, I don't know how he managed to get the own goal over there. He really messed it up. It was extremely bizarre, but I felt like Milan were, were bound to get the winner at that point. 
No, it, it was a total momentum shift. I mean, when you have, you know, Castillejo playing really well as well, Leao was playing really well, Libra had just come on, the midfield always compact and creative. Um, no, Milan, I mean, I, you see a lot of claims saying that they were lucky, obviously, because of the own goal and the penalty. Um, but how could you witness a comeback of that sort and, and call a team lucky, I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, especially looking at the injury list coming into the game. Like that's a lucky team. Hellas are not an, yeah. an easy team to face. They're in eighth place now on eight points. It's not terrible. I yeah. mean, and I mean, they were on a four-game winning streak under Tudor. They've managed oh, to. Four games. Yeah, yeah, they managed to turn it around with them. Um, they're a solid unit, you know. We saw very impressive. That took a lot out of Milan. Um, but Milan again. Um, that was. That was a great performance. You it know was. that that was the type of. It's not even because it was a great performance. It's the fact that Milan didn't lose. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Or didn't even draw. They won that game. A game that looked like it was destined to be a loss for them. These are... The, I, I remember um, watching Juve back yeah. in the day and they were, you know, classic Allegri getting getting a 1-0 win yeah. uh, in a game that they didn't deserve to win at all at the time. And that made me think that as a team that wins the league, these are the games that you should yeah, be winning. These scrappy, you should get outplayed. Wins. And if you get outplayed, you should get the three points anyway. And that's exactly what Milan did. I think there's been, obviously, rightly so, there's been a lot of hype about Napoli recently. Yeah. Uh, first eight games, eight wins, they've equaled their record or surpassed their record. Now they have, as well. I believe they've equaled it. I believe they've they, equaled yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. Um, with Spalletti, obviously, and Ozzyman and, and, and all their guys. But... Milan, they're not far off, man. They've got seven yeah. wins and they've got one draw against Juve. It yeah. is very, very close between these two teams. Um, you know, Milan have their injuries at the moment, but it's very, very close. Yeah. So the next game saw Cagliari beating Sampdoria 3-1 at home. Ah, Daversa under fire a little bit now. Uh, somehow Sampdoria find themselves towards the bottom of the table. I believe they're in 15th now. Is yeah, it 15th? It's 17th. Um, actually, from 17th to 19th, all have six points. Oh my god. So yeah. they're in a lot of trouble here, Sampdoria. Yes, but it's still early. You know, they had a tough start. <clears throat> they had a very tough start, I mean. There's no way I see Sampdoria spending a lot of time in that position. But this was a very disappointing performance by Sampdoria and, and quite an embarrassing loss to Cagliari. Three goals to one. Um, the inevitable, oh wow, Pedro opened the scoring in the fourth wow. minute. Obviously that Keita Balde and Joao Pedro combination. Balde assisting Pedro with a cross and Pedro heading it into the back of the net. Yeah, and it was Kandreva bizarrely clearing it towards um, yeah. Keita Balde trying to switch the play yeah. um, very recklessly four minutes into the game. Of course, it's nice seeing this Joao Pedro, Keita Balde link up. It's great. Very entertaining to watch. Um, at this point, I mean, Cagliari were dominating. Well, not dominating, but they had, they had the upper hand for the majority of the game. Uh, Sampdoria didn't really look to be creating many chances at all. And the 74th minute, um, Caceres managed to get a goal after the ball was deflected off Thorsby. Yeah, um, quite a good strike by Caceres, but um, of course they were quite unlucky. You know, Odero couldn't do anything about that. And suddenly Cagliari are 2-0 up against Sampdoria. Um, it was in the 82nd minute where Thorsby got revenge. 
a clever corner kick routine. Um, so Caputo receiving the ball and basically running into the box while um, Cagliari were literally asleep. And he crossed it to Thorsby, who scored. Yeah, it was only a consolation, although Sampdoria did not believe that at the time. Uh, in the 94th minute, and then João Pedro got his second after a great assist by Nandes. Yeah. Nandes, obviously, you know, one of my favorite players in Serie A. He's such a great player when he's on. Yeah. Um, but for a variety of reasons, they still find themselves in 19th place, obviously drawing points with Sampdoria in 17th, as Jake mentioned earlier. Sampdoria will be frustrated with this one. Um, Daversa was clearly frustrated at the end because he got sent off. Um, you know, you look at it, it's not pretty for Sampdoria. Granted, they haven't had an easy start, but since their 3-0 win against Empoli, they've conceded three or more goals uh, in the next four games. It was 4-0 um, th- against Napoli, 3-2 against Juve, 3-3 against Udinese, and 3-1 against Cagliari. Now, con- conceding three to Udinese and conceding three to Cagliari is concerning. Yeah, they kind of allow themselves to get into these dogfights, Sampdoria. I don't think they've been controlling the game as we saw earlier on in the season. I think they're allowing pressure to get the better of them. They're, you know, you see their coach getting sent off as well, tempers flaring all around the pitch. Uh, they've got great talent, they've got a great team, they've got a team that could compete with some of the better teams in Serie A. But, I mean, this loss is just shocking, really. 3-1 to 19th placed Cagliari. Yeah, it seems like they can compete in a direct encounter, but on a consistency level, they can't compete at all. And they, they've shown that over the seasons, you know. They've, they've been inconsistent. They do drop points along the way. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, Daversa, obviously, his, his job is being, you know, it's under fire slightly now. Uh, I'm not too sure if they'll let go of him just yet. Obviously, they had quite a tough beginning to the season. Do you think they should let go of him? I... That's a, it's a tough question. I think I'd give it until January to properly assess because they have had tough fixtures as well. And, you know, although if they get a new manager now, the new manager would have more time to settle and by January, he'll know what moves he should make in the transfer market as well. So I think soonish. <laughs> they they should they should start looking at other I don't know managers. I think I think they might as well ride it out to be honest um you know we've seen what they can do under Daversa they've looked quite solid at times I I think they should give it time maybe it figures itself out you know yeah but it's it's the theme with some Serie A teams that I see I mean Milan are are one of them in the Champions League for example that they get close and they get close and they get close but getting close isn't enough if if you don't have the points to compete you know they they should be competing for top 10 and they find themselves compete you know battling relegation you know it's very early on in the season it very, is in fact there are only three points separating where they're at now to 10th place it's still early jesus yeah yeah yeah. they're fine um we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here okay so the next game and then was Gotti's Udinese facing Mihailovic's Bologna a stylistic stylistically this is a beautiful encounter uh, both teams very physical, both teams very good on their days, uh, both teams can also struggle, some more than the other. In the 38th minute, however, Bologna got a very significant advantage after Pereira got two yellow cards in the space of 15th minute after two very intelligent tactical fouls, well not so intelligent because he did get sent off in the 38th minute. 
Yeah, now Bologna had a terrible league start. It shocked everyone. Then they managed to beat Lazio 3-0. Um, everyone had high expectations because of that win. You know, In fact, they came in the, into this game looking um, rather inspired. They yeah. started off quite well. Of course, as you mentioned, the um, Pereira red card should have actually motivated them. But they went into halftime then nil Mm-hmm. And in the second half, um, Udinese actually came out and almost scored through De Lefeu. Um, he hit the upright. Oh, yeah. Bologna upped the pressure um, and managed to score through Musa Barrow, who finished neatly after a perfectly weighted pass. He's becoming a bit of a Mr. Wonder goal, Abarrow. Yeah, he's he, scoring some bangers. He always starts on that left side and drifts in, yeah. you know, it's quite nice. Um, but that was a beautiful, beautiful pass. Um, by by, by Dominguez. Dominguez, yeah, Dominguez. I, I like, perfectly weighted. Yeah, I like Dominguez. I like Dominguez. He doesn't get consistent playing time because obviously he has his competition. But I think on his day, he's a, he's a great squad player to have Dominguez. I think he's a bright one for the future. Yeah, definitely. In the 82nd minute, however, Beto managed to get a goal after a bit of a bit of confusion. There was <clears throat> there was a high ball over the top side, deflected and whirling all around the place. Um, Skorupski came out to collect it. He was slightly blocked by a by an Udinese player, and he just gave up and played for the foul. And Beto ended up heading it into an empty net. I'll never understand why Skorupski played for the foul there. Um, you know, if he had been a bit braver, he would have won the foul. A hundred percent. But All he, he had di- to do was get on top of yeah. the defender in front of him. He didn't commit, and Beto just headed it home. Um, I'm sure Mihailovic tore him to pieces afterwards. Yeah, it's it's so yeah, it's the life of a goalkeeper when you make a small judgment error. Well, not so small, but when you make a judgment error, obviously these things can lead to a goal. We see players lose possession uh, in the middle of the field or even in defence, and nothing comes of it. But obviously, if a goalkeeper makes that mistake, then his team is suffering. And Skorupski has been suffering this season, and he's made another mistake now. And Bologna have once again dropped valuable points. Yeah, but they sit 8th with 12 points, um, Juve are 7th with 14 points. Okay. So at the end of the day, not too bad for Bologna. Um, Udinese are currently 10th with 9 points, of course. Um, you know, mid-table sides. Yeah, mid-table, mid-table sides, but you know, Bologna do have a team where you know, we could see them pushing slightly, slightly higher than that. So that I think that is their ambition after all. Uh, especially after having a coach with them for so long, but yeah, they they're a decent team. It's it's not a terrible result for them at all, even though you know there was that that early red card for Pereira. But yeah, I think Mihailovic is is safe for the time yeah being. for the time being definitely. Okay, the next game so Genoa hosts Sassuolo in a match that ended two two. Now this game started with Skamaka scoring. And then, of course, um, it getting varred off. He was offside, and then in the 17th minute, he scored. Um, the classic, you know, um, Ruolo dell'Ex, mm. of course. He was with Genoa last year, managed to get 12 goals for them. Um, he had never scored for Sassuolo before, and by the 20th minute, he had scored two in three minutes. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, Ruolo dell'Ex, Cupid really wanted him to get a goal over there. We saw time and time again, he had a, a massive miss towards the end of the game as well. Yeah, he could have made it a hat-trick. Yeah, he's good. he could have scored four if the yeah. first goal wasn't barred off as well. And the first goal, Berard did a great job. He had great strength over there, out-muscling a, a yeah. bunch of players. 
He gave Skamaka a good ball through. It was a bit overcooked. It was a bit of a tough ball. Uh, Skamaka took it well and he ended up firing the, the ball into the roof of the net. Uh, Tolian then did a great job three minutes later to provide a low sweaty cross to Skamaka. Good positioning by him and obviously it helps having a striker with such long legs once again because you know you'd see Raspadori throwing his body into into the ball over there but Skamaka just able to tap the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, um, and then of course everything went downhill. In the 27th minute it was Destro who scored the 30-year-old Italian. It's his fifth goal of the season. He's two away from Immobile at the top and by the way Joao Pedro has um, six goals this season. Already wow. we, we were talking about him, I forgot to mention. Um, yeah, but um, Destro, Destro is on fire. Um, Fares as well, the ex-Lazio man with the, with the assist, pretty good. And in the 90th minute, a Rovella corner. So um, Vasquez, Johan Vasquez on yep. his on his debut, debut, the Mexican 22-year-old defender, score a header, towering over everyone. And Sassuolo will be extremely disappointed with this one. It's just like I was saying before, you get close, you get close, you have good performances. But if you don't get enough points, then you're not going to compete. And Sassuolo have dipped incredibly from last season when it comes to killing games off and, and having good performances overall. Uh, they find themselves in 14th place on 8 points. Um, they're having a very tough time. I, I don't think they've adapted to Dionysi's style yet. Uh, I don't know if it's a style that should actually take time or, or if not. But... Yeah, I mean, dropping points to Genoa isn't isn't ideal, yeah. is it? So Swallow look like they they suffer every attack in the league. Everyone can cause problems to Swallow. Yeah, their, their defense is so shaky. They give away so many unnecessary corners. You know, Kyriakos makes mistakes. Sometimes I feel like there's a massive hole between the midfield and the defense. They're just mm. you know, Maxim Lopez can't cover everything. I don't know. Um, I feel like they again, as we mentioned, they let go of three key parts of the team and didn't replace them adequately you know De Zerbi, Locatelli and Caputo Genoa on the other hand keep on proving that they have a goal in them I think when it comes to the bottom tier sides Genoa are very dangerous especially with Mattia Destro on the team mm -hmm. he's certainly capable of grabbing a goal or two they've got a bit of love and sexy magic about them <laughs> even though they're terrible yeah. but yeah, yeah they, have, they have a combination of like experience and industriousness you know they have Krishita at the back he's a leader they have Badel in the middle he's a leader as well they have Pandev up front mm. and Destro you know they have a lot of experienced players um, and it, it's all the difference you know the, the first game of the season between Genoa and Inter half of these experienced players were missing and they got destroyed yeah. you know having these guys back gives them some structure it gives them some structure for sure and like I said they're a dangerous side against against a lot of the teams but sometimes you mentioned that they have a lot of experience. But I think at the same time, apart from having that experience, I think they have a lot of aging players as well. Aside, yeah, yeah, aside yeah. from the definitely, experience, definitely. I think they are a touch behind most of the teams for that for that very reason. When you have 27-year-old athletes in their prime running at you and then you've got 34, 35-year-olds trying to keep up, then obviously your side can suffer. But, you know, Genoa did a great job. Sassuolo, not so much, they got off to a good start, but it all went downhill from there. But moving on to the next game, Atalanta did a fantastic job in dismantling Empoli away from home, four goals to one. 
Ilicic seems to have regained his form. Of course, in the international break, he managed to score two goals against our motherland, Malta. Um, and now, this week, he's also scored two goals against Empoli. And two great goals at that match. Yep, so in the 11th minute, Pasalic was very unselfish and he squared the ball to Ilicic, who managed to get to the end of it, making it 1-0. Uh, 15 minutes after that, Ilicic had a great curler after Muriel laid the ball off to him at the edge of the area making it 2-0 very early on in the game. But in the 30th minute, Empoli did find some joy through Di Francesco, a long ball by Stulac over the top. Um, so Di Francesco out-muscle Palomino and outsmart him too, and um, you know finish it perfectly with his left foot. Beautiful finish, actually, from outside the area. Yep, a very, a very angled strike as well into the far post. He's really good in those areas, the 5'7 man. Uh, he did a great job, and one thing... I love but hate about Empoli is that they're fearless against yeah. whoever they play. They play their game and it doesn't matter who's in front of them. It's yeah. charming, but it's also dangerous. Um, it gives you moments like this so with, with audacious through balls and finishes from, from tight angles. Um, but then that does get you a 4-1 loss to Atalanta. Of course, they're not afraid to concede. They play their game. If you're going to score, you're going to score. We're going to try outscore you. Exactly. In the second half, and then uh, VT put the ball into his own net. Uh, to be honest, I think it was a good interception from his end. I think Vicario really struggled to get down and save that ball. I think he should be doing better in those areas. Yeah, he should be doing better. Um, it was Pasalic's header, actually, that caused the problem. He had a very good game. Pasalic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two assists. Two assists for him, uh, along with this. Um, he basically made this goal. Yep. 67th minute and then Atalanta thought they'd get another and Ilicic thought he'd get his hat-trick but he absolutely skied a penalty that, you know, it was a bit too good to be true maybe for Josep Ilicic. Maybe a bit of a rude awakening for him. Yeah, he can join Skamaka. They can cry together. <laughs> However, that, that posed absolutely no concerns for Atalanta whatsoever. We just hope it doesn't do many bad things to Ilicic's confidence. In the 89th minute, Zapata... Uh, was at the end of another unselfish assist by Pasalic, uh, making it 4-1 to Atalanta and a very comfortable victory for them as well. A hero for Atalanta, Duvan Zapata, but pretty hated at the moment by Colombia fans. You know, he's having a shocker Is for he? them Yeah, in yeah, the, the World Cup qualifiers. I was talking to a Colombian friend of mine and he said that um, he had a terrible miss. Terrible miss in the last game for, okay. for Colombia. Ooh, Colombian friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> He's been a bit on and off um, the past couple of seasons, Devon. Uh, but I, I really I'd say overall, he's, he's served them very well. No, he has served them very well. But yeah. I think for the past two seasons, this season and last season, yeah. he, he's been a bit shaky. But it is nice to see that he's back on track, moving on to the next game. This was Napoli against Torino. Napoli with a 1-0 victory over Torino, who are proving to be a very tough side to face. Yeah, Napoli make it how many wins in a row now? Eight wins. Eight wins in a row for them. That's pretty crazy, if you yeah, ask me. You know, They've equaled their record from opening games of the season, being one. So the game started off with Torino really pressing Napoli. They looked like the better side. Um, six minutes in, unfortunately, for Mandragorat looked like a serious injury. He went off the pitch crying. Um, but thankfully, reports have come out that it was only a meniscus injury. So he will be relieved to hear that. 
Yeah, I was really scared it was something more concerning than that. He, he looked in a great deal of pain. Yeah, it looked like an ACL for a second. Um, so, yeah, Torino were the better side for the majority of this game. And they were working very well in the first half, especially until in the 27th minute they gave away a penalty. Yep, thankfully for them, Lorenzo Insigne was the man who failed to convert from the spot. Uh, it was a good save, however, from Vanya milinkovic Savic. Yeah, but I don't know why Insigne tried that. He went for the Jorginho approach. Yeah, but something a bit different, I guess. I think um, when you're the main rigorista for a team that gets a few penalties themselves, maybe to spice things up, obviously, keepers do their studying. So he tried to take a different approach, be it, you know, he hasn't quite mastered it yet, but a great save from Vanya. Quite a cocky approach, in my opinion, though. Um, considering, you know, that five out of the last eight penalty misses in um, Insigne's entire career came in 2021. Yeah, maybe he could have gone for a for a safer option, maybe try go for power, try to opt for yeah. power. Um, but yeah, a bit, uh, not, not a great judgment called by, by Insigne over there. He tried something, he didn't quite pull it off. Do you think that Ozyman should be on their penalties from now on? I'm not quite sure how Ozyman hits them. I'm sure he hits them great, but if there's... Another person who can take penalties, even if they're not as good as Insignia, uh, at the moment it should be someone that's taking the penalties. Yeah, I think so. I think he needs a break from the spot, personally. Yeah, and if you know Ozyman is is in such fine form as well, it would be a good it would be a good idea to give him the penalty spots. But you know, something some food for thought for Spalletti. In the 59th minute, then Di Lorenzo thought that he scored and he celebrated. Quite a bit before the ref called it back after a VAR check indicated that he was marginally offside. Yeah, that seemed to take a while. It did take a while. It was quite close as well, you know, especially when, when a lot of men are piled into mm-hmm. the area. It's a bit difficult to tell whose foot is who and, you know, whether they're on the defensive line or not. But uh, it was a correct call at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Torino kept pushing, you know, in the 67th minute, they had a triple substitution. They brought on Buongiorno, um, Pobega and Bellotti, um, the return of Bellotti, by the way. Um, I think he's going to do bits for them, even though he is not staying. Um, yeah, in the 71st minute, we saw Mertens, Dries Mertens coming on. Nice to see him back too. Yep. Um, but it was only in the 81st minute where, um, against the run of play, Napoli got a chance, you know, there was a lot of chaos. There was some lovely football before that as well. Um, and Ozyman ended up towering over everyone to yep. kill off the move, beating the goalkeeper. Yep, um, I wouldn't say it was 100% against the run of play. Napoli got that. They had a penalty, they had an offside goal, they hit the post to having Lozano as well. Uh, I think the game could have gone either way. I think Torino did enough to to get some points in this game, uh, but reliability came down to it at the end of the day. Ozyman scored a lovely towering header. We're just speaking about what fine form he's in, and those are the exact goals you need your player to get. Uh, Napoli from then on did a great job defending and trying to prevent Torino from getting that equaliser, including, you know, there were yellow cards for Koulibaly, Anguissa, and they were getting a bit physical themselves, a few injury breaks. Um, But Napoli managed to maintain that top spot and their perfect start continues. What were your thoughts on Napoli's limited edition Halloween kits, by the way? Really cringy and ugly, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly. Really bad, like. Yeah, they, they don't look good at all. No, it, it looks like one of the one of the kits FIFA would come up with for like a Halloween special. Yeah, for Ultimate Team or something. Exactly, I don't know what they're, 
what I've been trying to do with that, but fuck it. Uh, an interesting thing to point out is that last season, Napoli were not so great at converting from, from uh, set pieces at all. And that led to Spalletti reshuffling the system a little bit. And now Napoli have scored from eight set-piece routines in the opening eight games. So improved a lot in that area. Yeah, they have quite a few good jumpers as well in Rahmani and Koulibaly and Oziman. You know, they have a few good targets there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anguissa as well. Di Lorenzo, I can get on the end of them. Yeah, so it's nice to see Spalletti putting his work in. But yeah. I, but he I kind of came in and, and polished Gattuso's fine edge, uh, his, his edges a little bit. He did, he did. Um, there are elements of Sarri, there are elements of Gattuso, there are elements of Spalletti in this team. It's pretty yeah. nice to see. A nice combination. So, um, the next game saw Juve take on Roma at the Allianz Stadium. Thoughts on this one? 1-0 one to Juve? So, you know... A very good result for Juve over here, 1-0 against Jose Mourinho's Roma. It's a continuation of positive results for Juventus. I believe that that's their third victory in a row now. Their third 1-0 victory third in a row. Their third 1-0 victory in a yeah, row. I, I remember saying this. Spets, yeah. yeah, exactly. And also by a margin of one goal. And the one before it as well. This is the Allegri way. This is Allegri ball. This is how he wins. This is how he likes to win. So both teams look to be very attacking from the get-go. Um, uh, Roma had a good opportunity to score after a Pellegrini free kick routine as well. That was a great save by Wojciech Szczesny. Um, in the 16th minute, however, Moise Keane managed to open the scoring for Juventus after De Chilio provided a lovely cross from the left-hand yeah, he side. He played really well. I was very surprised by yeah, De Chilio. <laughs> it was weird how well he played. Yeah. Um, he crossed the ball in. Someone got to the end of it. Bentancur. Bentancur got to the end of it. Yeah. it. It slapped Moise Keane's face and went into the back of the net. Yeah, it um, counts as a Keane goal and a Bentancur assist, by the way, which is wow. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so De Chilio gets nothing. I mean, a great assist in that case. A lovely assist from, from Bentancur. Um, moving on, and then in the 22nd minute, uh, Nicolas, Nicolas Agnolo went off injured. Uh, so it didn't exactly look serious, but I always get I always get scared when when Zaniolo starts limping. It's always a scary sight, um, you know PTSD. We're so used to seeing him going off and mm. disappearing for months, but it's nice to hear that this one wasn't as serious as they first thought either. Yeah, and I always get the feeling that he's kind of rushed into the team because because of what he brings to the team. As soon as he's fit, you see him playing, you know, in the starting yeah. eleven. And there's no. Toning it down with him. There's no, no taking no. it easy. It's all or nothing when, yeah. when for for Zaniolo. He ends up, you know, half the games like he gets subbed out because he can't walk anymore. Exactly. He runs so much. Yeah, um, he was obviously replaced by Stefan El Sharawi. Uh, Mourinho complained about about not having so many options. I guess at least you've got El Sharawi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't complain about that. Hey. To be honest. Um, in the 41st minute, Chesney uh, committed a foul and conceded a penalty, which he saved after Jordan Veretu took it. Yeah, now this was a weird one because, um, you know, during the foul, I believe Mikitarian was fouled. Um, the referee whistled for a penalty when he should have let play go on and Abraham actually scored. You can see Abraham celebrating while the referee is pointing to the spot for a penalty. Now, I saw a few shouts um, claiming that, you know, 
the ball slapped Mkhitaryan's hand while he was on his way down. But considering the fact that Mkhitaryan had been fouled, I don't think the handball should count. I, you know, it's just weird that Rosato let that let that slide. You know, he should have definitely played advantage there. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's a handball, then play advantage. It was the Juve player that that had the handball, so it's advantage yeah. to Roma, and Roma have every right every right to put the ball to the back of the net. So it should be one one at that yeah. point. Yeah, but Rosato wasn't influenced by the handball; it was just the foul. He yeah. saw the foul and he whistled instantly, yeah, completely. I know. You know what I mean? But that's but, why you should never whistle early. Yeah, but. You know, it's it's Orzato at, yeah. at the end of the day. So I'm not exactly I'm not exactly surprised by, by that. Decision. And the arrogance at the end of the game, he was like, "It's not my fault. You didn't score the penalty." Yeah. I was happy for Chesney. I was happy for Chesney. Obviously, he's had a very tough time in the league this season. Um, he gave away that penalty as well, conceding a yellow card and the penalty that he managed to save Jordan Veretout's penalty. And I don't remember Veretout ever missing a penalty. Yeah, I can't remember him missing one either. Um, he almost got revenge. He forced a great save from Chesney in the second half. Bernardeschi almost scored a bicycle kick, which yeah. was pretty nuts. <laughs> and then Moiskin had, you know, an opportunity to score with Rui Patricio down after the overhead kick, but he absolutely skied the ball. He should be scoring that. Definitely, definitely. So this game now sees Juventus sit in seventh place with 14 points. While Roma sit in fourth place with 15 points. A very important win for Juventus as they climb their way back up. 100%. And Juventus are looking more like Juventus now. Yeah, they're more like a team. I'm not saying that sarcastically because of a 1-0 victory. It's a good victory against a very tough side. Some can even argue that Roma should have taken more out of the game. So Juve should be proud about that. They prevented that from happening. And they are looking... Like a very dangerous team now. Yeah, um, it was interesting to see Mourinho holding the three sign to the Juve fans again, letting them know that he won the treble with Inter. He did it with United as well when they played against Juventus. I don't get that, man. I really don't like it. Yeah, he's a he's a an attention seeker, the guy. Yeah, he's, he's he showing it. off a little bit. Definitely. He, he, you know, let, let him start getting results and then he could start making all these funny jokes. Yeah, and it only took eight games to see him in the press room undermining three of his substitute players completely. Three, good three, players. three decent players. Yes, there's Calafiori, who's good, and he's Kumbula. only yeah he's only there because Spinazzola's injured. Like he's yeah. he's all right as a replacement. Um, Kumbulla, who's a good player, who was great at Verona, and Reynolds, who granted might not be ready. They brought him from the USA, but still, you don't put your players under fire yeah, like man, that. But if Reynolds was performing, then Mourinho would be gloating about how he brings the best talent to the team. So, you know what I mean? He shouldn't be making yeah. those statements. He's playing the victim card, something we've been seeing him doing. He's a great manager, obviously. Yeah. Um, but one thing he does when he doesn't get results is he plays the victim card yeah. um, or he starts getting a bit over the top cocky, trying to undermine everyone, saying, yeah. I'm the best, I'm the best, what the fuck? Um, so I, I don't really like that approach that he takes. Uh, obviously, he's a winner and he hates losing. And hopefully that will contribute in him turning things around maybe from January onwards. Yeah, I mean, Rome aren't in a bad position. You know, they, they sit fourth with 15 points. Um, they're going to be upset not to have got more out of this one, but there's still hope for them at the top this season. Yeah, there's no shame in losing to Juventus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most teams would drop points to Juventus, so it's not a, a terrible sign. 
for Roma. But I just don't like the approach that, that Mourinho took after losing that game. I think he should be a bit humble. He should learn from the mistakes and then they can move on as a team after that. I agree. I agree. The last game was a Monday night special which took place in Venice where Venezia hosted Fiorentina, winning 1-0. Venezia's first home win in Serie A this season. Their first win in Serie A this season. Yes, sir. They managed to get a goal pretty early on in the game and I think from quite early on in the game they looked the better, better side. Yeah, yeah, they looked Fiorentina, the better side. Which is crazy. Uh, but Aramo managed to get a goal in the 36th after a Thomas Henry assist. Yeah, it was Buzio who played the ball over the top to Henry, who did well to hold up play and play it through to Aramu. He squared it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aramu had an empty net and he scored. Beautiful. Aramu's been really good. He's been definitely the best the best player in Venezia's side. I think when you think yeah. of Venezia, you think, of, you think Aramu. Yeah, I think so too. He's like their their set piece player. He's the metronome keeps things ticking. The number ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think Buzio does a lot of work. Chernigo isn't bad, but Aramu is definitely the the guy in midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of Vlaovic? Well, Vlaovic, obviously, he's a great player. He's a great talent. One of the best strikers in the league and one of the hottest young talents that there is in the world at the moment. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation surrounding him. Apparently, he's got his heart and mind both set on a move to Juventus. I don't think not Fiorent- necessarily to Juventus, just out of Fiorentina. Apparently, I think they think he was quoted to say that he's got his heart and mind both set really? on, oh, on Juventus. Wow. Apparently, God forbid. Yeah. Um, so he's not all there at the moment. I don't think Fiorentina are very happy with him at the moment, but. You know, you have to play him or you're playing Cochrane in, instead yeah, of him. Yeah. So there's a bit of a disconnect between Vlaovic and the rest of the team at the moment. He, he did have a good moment towards the end where Romero almost let him score from outside yeah. the area. He played it off as though the ball went, you know, 10 inches wide, but it scraped the outside of the post. Um, so he definitely has moments in him, but he... Just at the moment, he seems he seems like a mobile playing for Italy. Like yeah. he's a good talent, but he's very disconnected. Yeah, he is disconnected. You can tell there's he doesn't quite want to be there. At the end of the mm. game, you know, the fans rejected his shirt. Apparently, Did they? yeah, they called him a gobbo di merda. Oh my god! Yeah, pezzo di merda and all that Jeez. stuff. Yeah, poor guy. Well, poor guy. You know, that's what you get when you chase when you chase those dollars. You know. Man, I spoke so much about him staying faithful to Fiorentina at the end of the season. I'm almost embarrassed to talk about <laughs> Vlaovic's move. Um, aha, I think the sooner that they, you know, get rid of the situation so as they find out exactly what's going to happen and, you know, both the player and the club get some clarity, I think they could both start planning for the future and both Vlaovic and Fiorentina will be better off because, I mean, you can't drop points against Venezia. Like, they're, yeah. they're pushing to be this new top seven team. I think that's their aim and I think that's what they should be aiming for. They've got a very good team. Granted, it's not too different to the team they had last season, but they've really beefed it up in certain areas. They've beefed up the wings, um, their right back as well. Um, they have a, an owner who invests now in Comiso. They have an owner who invests. They have Italiano, who obviously a, a hot manager who plays some of the most attractive football I've seen. But it seemed like they were trying to play. 
Italiano ball, but they were always getting themselves into dangerous situations. They were really playing mm. the ball back to the goalkeeper. They were slow. Much. They were way slower than Italiano wanted, and he was screaming on the sidelines. He was so frustrated. Um, but yeah, Fiorentina couldn't couldn't keep up with Venezia, who looked lively throughout the whole game. I was wondering if they could keep the press the press up. You know, they had mm-hmm. they had Jonsson running. They had they had Henri Aramu. They were all putting in such a shift. Even that new guy, Haps. Yeah, the the yeah. fullback was playing really well. Um, then they brought on Okereke, who did a lot more running for them. Those yeah. fresh legs really helped, and they yeah, they saw the game passing, out. Not much passing, yeah. but a lot of running. A clean sheet for Romero on his debut, the ex-United goalkeeper. Yeah, I think if Sotil hadn't gotten sent off in the seventy-seventh minute, um, which which was a bit of a, a harsh call in my opinion, Fiorentina had the chance of equalizing. Had that not happened, I think there was a slight momentum shift from the 70th minute onwards. Um, but after Sotil got sent off, Venezia kind of took control of the game again. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but it was a lovely, lovely thing to, to see, you know, a lovely sight to behold. Yeah, of course, Venezia's first home win of the season. They had a lot of fans out there. Today. Yeah, their stadium was packed. It was so yeah. nice to see. Yeah, they all got their own gondoli, I heard. <laughs> Venezia currently sit 15th with 8 points, while Fiorentina sit 9th with 12 points. So it's time guys for our question segment, of course, if you have any questions or hot takes, please drop them at say a spotlight on Twitter or Instagram. Um, the first question this week comes from Seb Rousey at S Rousey on Twitter. What up, Seb? Thank you. He asks, how much do you care, if at all, about a footballer's personal life slash political view? Um, political views, not so much. I do have a massive problem with when they beat their wives. Yeah, that's not really cool. Eh? That's not cool at no, all. No. And, and I don't like it when they like groom women and stuff like that. <laughs> I would not want those men playing football ever again and I'd like to see them locked up for yeah. the rest of their lives um, so when when it comes to harmful acts then I yeah. care a lot when it comes to political views I think to each their own unless they're racist yeah uh, that's the thing that's the thing unless they're breaking the law like when it comes to you know all these you know, all of a sudden all these players are getting arrested for all these sexual assaults and all these charges you know that's horrible get them out of the game Theo's brother Theo's brother Lucas Hernandez There's Mendy of City There's Lucas Sigurdsson, Sigurdsson. Of, of, You know It's there terrible Johnson back in the day yeah. A lot man A lot I, I always had this theory Right That Footballers Live their entire lives In a live-in So you remember yeah. Live-ins at school yeah. I feel like they've had that For their entire life So they're constantly yeah. In their bubble They're Boosted with testosterone and confidence yeah. that they think the world is theirs and they're having a good time all the time obviously they they work their socks off as well to get there uh, but some of them don't take that the right way at all and, and they act out and obviously they end up hurting their reputation but even more so they, they end hurt up someone else people. you know yeah no means no needs to apply to them too exactly. of course this is ridiculous um, political views, I tend to agree with you, unless, of course, they're on the hate speech side yeah. of the, the mm-hmm. agenda, of course, um, no racism, homophobia or anything like that. Um, 
but yes, for example, we've seen Turkish players supporting, for example, Erdogan. You know, that's not nice to see, but, mm. but you know, at the end of the day, I believe as long as they keep their political views off the pitch, yeah. if they're harmful, you know, or if they're was, controversial. There I mean, was a bad one with Switzerland in the last World Cup where, where I think Shakiri and Shaka... They they did the yeah yeah they put the Albanian flag yeah with their hands yeah they were doing the symbol which I mean that's political and, and yeah. keep it out of the game it please. was hilarious to see Liv Steiner joining in yeah. when he's not <laughs> Albanian you know he's, he has no idea what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> this is cool <laughs> yeah but keep it away from football and and no problem over there. Yeah, when it comes to matters regarding human rights, and then I, I do suggest that, for example, taking the knee, raising a fist, that's perfectly fine. And yeah. then it's, it's pretty natural, you know. Good and bad can be quite objective at times. The next question comes from Steve Colero, at Steve Colero, our Hello. good friend. Um, he asks, what are your Ballon d'Or predictions? So I have no idea. I... To be honest, we've, we've come back from such a long era where it's one of two guys that yeah. now that other people are entering the fray as well, it's like, okay, there are so many guys who deserves it. In my opinion, I would give it to Jorginho. Me too. Um, obviously, there, there's a bit of romantic fantasy there as well, and there's slight favoritism. Uh, but he's had, you know, he won the Champions League with Chelsea and, and he had great performances over there and he was one of the best players for Italy and they won the Euros. So I think if Ronaldo won the Champions League and he won the Euros, then he'd easily win the Ballon yeah. d'Or. So I don't see why Jorginho shouldn't. If we're basing it off merit, I feel like Jorginho has been hyper successful throughout the last year or two. Yeah. And um, I think he does, he does deserve it for sure, especially the Euros, the Champions League with Chelsea, you know he might not be the flashiest player and there are technically more gifted players, but it's not only about that. You know, we've seen high goal scoring players winning the Ballon d'Or and dominating the Ballon d'Or yeah. for so long now. That would be nice to see a player, a different type of player yeah. getting some recognition. Like Cannavaro in 2006, yeah. for example. Kind of like Modric too recently. Modric actually. as well. Um, yeah, but even based off the fact that, that Modric has won it before, then, you know, Jorginho deserves this even even more so because they play a very similar role. Uh, I think Jorginho has... Play, he plays such a big part for both club and country. I think the teams really tick because Jorginho mm. connects the team together. I think he controls the tempo. Yeah. I think, obviously, he, he's got great penalties as well, even though mm. he's missed his first two recently. But and still. he's a metronome. He keeps everything in check. Nothing happens without him. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see him win it, man. I'd be yeah. I'd be waving my Italian flag if if he does. And what a great storyline as well. The guy hasn't had it easy at all. Yeah, but realistically, I think they they will give it to Messi. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. they'll give him another one. Uh, I've I've got I've got a bit of faith. I think he's he's tipped to be third, Jorginho. But but I think football has a big heart, and and I think. Everyone loves a loves an underdog. Simon Kier. Simon Kier. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Can you tell everyone that tweet? What was it? Did someone tweeted? Ah, great. Kier is here because of Ericsson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's like, I can't believe Kier got nominated for the Ballon d'Or. He's only there because of Ericsson. And I tweeted, You mean Ericsson's only here because of Kier? <laughs> Yeah, but with your remark. I was surprised. Yeah, it hadn't been tweeted before. Yeah. 
The next question comes from Luke Mentoff on Instagram, our dear friend who you heard in the last episode. He asks, what makes Cagliari so inconsistent? Bro, so many things. So I think obviously we need to talk about their defense, Cagliari's defense. I yeah. think Cagliari could, could easily concede up to two, three goals a game. Uh, judging by the the lack of quality that they've got in the back, I think they're a very they're one of the easier sides to score against in the league. Um, they don't really keep their momentum up for long in the game. I think I think they've got thirty minutes of dangerous play in them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're kind of always on the back foot. And I also don't think it's an ambitious side. And I'm not really talking about the players, but I think I'm talking about the management and their board members. Uh, I don't really think they've got their ambitions lined up for the season. I think they would safely say that they should be fighting relegation this season. Um, I think their biggest problem is the inconsistency and the constant short-term planning. They feel like I feel like they keep changing their plans every season. You know, mm. they sack the manager mid-season, they get a new one. They sack the manager, they get a new one. They give him a chance, they sack him, they get they a new one. Angolan, yeah. They let him go. Plus the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, their defense is Caceres, Godin, Carboni, Lico Giannis. I mean, yeah. not great. You know, Godin's aging. Caceres is having a decent season now, but, you know, he's all right, I guess. But then Lico Giannis as well, not... Not too great, Carboni, unspectacular. It's not a very ambitious side. They have a bit of talent in the middle with Nandez, yeah. Marin, Strutman, Dalbert, who got injured, by the way, this week, mm-hmm. 10 minutes into the game. And Keita Balde and Joao Pedro this season are something that they haven't had in a while. Um, apart from Joao Pedro, they haven't had a prolific goal scorer. Mm, that's true. You know, and Pavoletti was good pre-injury. But as he, when he came back, he hasn't been as good. He hasn't really been scoring. He hasn't really found his footing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Simeone was a flop, you know, very hot at times, but very short-lived. And then he just dries out for the rest of the season. But Keita Balde looks lively. I think Keita and Joao can continue to cause quite a few problems um, for many teams in Serie A this year. But, you know, hopefully they can, they can find some, some momentum. They can find some consistency with their, with their manager, of course. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. Mm-hmm. We are Jake and Matt at Seria A Spotlight. Um, please follow us at Seria A Spotlight on Twitter and on Instagram. We thank please. you very much for listening and look forward to hearing from you. Please follow us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys.